Welcome to CTL Connections Short Bites, a series of interviews with senior engineering leaders. I'm your host, Peter Bell. The future's here. It's just not evenly distributed. At CTL Connection, we try to solve that by identifying, curating, and distributing the latest tools and techniques for more effectively building and managing an engineering team. Join our community at ctlconnection.com. I'd like to take a moment to thank our partners. Code Climate is our global sponsor. Code Climate Velocity helps CTOs, VPEs, and directors at companies like Slack, Gusto, and Pizza Hut align initiatives with strategic priorities, accelerate software delivery, and drive continuous improvement. I'd also like to thank Amazon Web Services and Carrot, our sustaining partners. I'd also like to take a moment to introduce our Short Bytes partner, Cloud Zero. You're spending a ton of money on the cloud, so shouldn't you know exactly what you're spending it on? Cloud Zero will help you organize and understand your cloud spend better than anyone else out there. You'll get visibility without the typical pitfalls of legacy cloud cost management tools like endless tagging or clunky Kubernetes support. With Cloud Zero, you can optimize your unit economics, decentralize cost intelligence to engineering, and create a shared language between finance and technical teams. You'll be able to answer questions like, who are my most expensive customers? How much does this specific feature cost our business? What is the cost impact of re-architecting this application? Join companies like Drift, Rapid7, and SeatGeek by visiting cloudzero.com slash ctlconnection to get started. Again, please visit cloudzero.com slash ctlconnection to get started today. Today, I'm speaking with Jesse White, the Chief Technical Officer at OpenNMS. Jesse, thanks so much for taking the time to talk today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Peter. So I love this idea of your, your kind of journey going from you know, working with an open source product to joining the open source company to eventually ending up as the, the chief technical officer there. So I'd love if we could kind of go through that process and maybe find out some of the, the things you learned in, in your journey into engineering leadership. Yeah, it's been an exciting journey and uh, happy, uh, happy to share, you know, been quite the, uh, quite the evolution there since I started using the product years ago. So what were you first doing for a living when you first came across? Actually, maybe just to provide context, could you just give a, a brief summary for somebody who doesn't know what is OpenNMS? Sure. Um, so open source is a uh, network uh, monitoring management platform um, that's used to keep eyes and ears on your network, right? Uh, be able to, to trend, capture faults, and basically let operators uh, know when there's problems that need attention right? at a high level. Yeah. That's great. And so what were you doing when you first came across the, the project? Right. So I was working for a um, small managed service provider based in, uh, in Montreal. Um, and we actually uh, provided uh, guest wireless access services to hotels across uh, North America. Right. And uh, I was tasked with uh, finding a network monitoring platform for our, for our solution and for these remote sites. Right. So I ended up, um, you know, kind of testing a bunch of different open source solutions, right? Playing around with them and then landed on uh, OpenNMS. That's what I found to be the best fit for, uh, for our use cases there. So we uh, did that research, started rolling it into the enterprise and then, uh, and then adopting it. Now then after that, you took a little bit of time off to, to study math full-time at Concordia? Uh, yeah, yeah. So after, uh, after working there at that of LA, I did end up, um, you know, taking a bit of break, going back to, you know, continue my education. And yeah, I did study uh, pure and applied mathematics at, uh, at Concordia. Yeah. I see. I, I got to ask, have you managed to use any of that in, in, in your career since? Uh, actually a, a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Surprisingly enough. Um, right. So I think, you know, 
the, in, from the mathematical side, right? Uh, so understanding like statistical analysis, things like forecasting, uh, that very much applies to time series data, which is prevalent in, uh, in monitoring workloads. So, you know, quite a bit of that. But I think really what it, it, it taught me was um, more the nature of solving problems, right? And how to go about it systematically, right? And, you know, those mathematical proofs and, you know, building up that structure, right? Um, that's That was my main takeaway from it. Got it. So then how did you reconnect after the math with uh, OpenNMS? Right. So I actually um, uh, ended up uh, joining Google Summer of Code, right, as a full-time student. Um, There was that program. I thought it was exciting. You know, hey, I can get paid to work in open source. Awesome. Right. Uh, So that excited me, uh, funded by Google there, of course. And, um, you know, so I applied to work there for the uh, OpenNMS group. you know, they, I had been part of the community there before. So, you know, they, they knew me, I was accepted into the program and, you know, paired with a mentor. Um, and then, you know, spent the summer, um, you know, I've been, you know, playing around with, uh, open NMS and enhancing that. Right. And then did you go straight from there to taking a job at the, the, the company behind open NMS? How, how did that transition occur? Right. So um, actually, you know, I think they, you know, they saw value in the work that I had done there. I think I, you know, impressed some people with, uh, <laughs> with the changes I was able to make um, and actually did a presentation in front of the uh, CEO and CTO there at the, uh, at the time towards the tail end of my, my program. Um, and um, yeah, I think it was, uh, yeah, it was, you know, I think they're both impressed by what I'd done. Um, and it was maybe about a year or so later uh, where they reached out and said, Hey, we're growing. Um, do you want to move to North Carolina here and, you know, come and work for us? Um, <laughs> um, of course, we're living in Montreal here at the time, right? So, you know, moving up is a you know, big change for us. But uh, luckily, we're at a point, in our t- a point in our life where it's easy for us to accommodate such a move. So uh, we went for it, right? So we, um, you know, left Montreal, moved to North Carolina, you know, joined the OpenNMS group and, you know, became, uh, you know, part of, uh, part of the team there. Now, at that point in time, how big was the engineering org and what did it look like? Right. So this is a very small uh, company at this time. We're talking, you know, 10, 15 people maybe, right? So uh, we were about, I think, you know, five or six engineers there. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so pretty small, all all sit in the same room together, right? And then supporting this uh, this platform was, yeah, exciting. Now, you started writing code for them through Google Summer Code. You joined full-time. You end up as chief, te- chief technical officer. How, how did that transition occur? What was the, the next step for moving out of IC role? Right. So um, there, the, again, we're a pretty small um, you know, company. I think the, um, you know, the, the current CTO at the time um, was left the organization, um, and then that left a gap there. So I think... Um, they, they saw potential in me and they said, you know, hey, Jesse, by the way, you're CTO now. That's kind of how it, uh, <laughs> how it happened. And at this point, we're still, um, you know, we're still a small company, right, which is five, six engineers. But, you know, that effectively at that meant, you know, more of a, a technical lead, lead architect, right? Still with a very small, small team at that, at that point in time. I, I didn't really know, um, you know, what, what it completely meant or what it would become, right? But it was exciting. And I said, hey, let's, let's, let's roll with this, right? Um, and then, of course, the, uh, you know, company uh, got acquired, kept growing, right? And then, you know, the nature of that role changed significantly over the, over the following years. 
So it feels like, I mean, two of the big changes when you move from IC to like a, a hands-on CTO. So I mean, it's similar to like almost in the startup world, right? You know, you're a, you're a CTO and you have a team of like five people working for you. So you're somewhere between yeah. lead dev and CTO. Yeah. At the same time, there are, there are two big responsibilities that suddenly come on your plate. One of them is direct leadership. You have people reporting to you. You need to manage and engage with them. And then also business leadership. You're now a member of the C-suite and you actually need to be ensuring that your team is focusing on maximizing business value. Right. Yeah. Uh, how did you find the, the transition to managing those two things? And how did you deal with, with the workload? Were you able to offload some of the coding or were you just like, that's fine. I'll just code nights and weekends and manage the team during the week? Uh, so it was a bit the, the later part, right? It was, uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, again, we're, you know, at that point in time when we were still small, I started taking on that CTO role. Um, I became, you know, more engaged with customers and, you know, going out, to, uh, working with them there on site. Um, and then, of course, working with other executive leaders to, you know, define the direction of the business and the product and so forth and work to bring that back to the team, right? And say, you know, here's what we're going to do. And, um, you know, here's our, the approach we'll take. Uh, but also, I'd also be a big part of the actual development and execution that there as well. So I was, you know, very much, um, I was still very much an IC while, uh, while leading and, you know, taking care of the business side there as well. So, you know, managing, still doing all that there at the same time. Yeah. So I've got to ask doing all those things is, was that 40 hour weeks? Like how, how sustainable was the, the pace you took on? Um, yeah, so it definitely was more than 40 hour a week, right. To do that. And, uh, but it didn't, um, uh, it didn't feel like it, right. To be honest, um, because I just loved what I, what I did so much. Right. And so, you know, tied into it and coding and building stuff was my passion. I could see the results and delivered in customers' hands and people using it. Um, so I was putting more, more time, um, into it. Um, but again, it, um, uh, it, it didn't feel like it there, there at the time. Right. Um, now, was there any point where it felt less sustainable, where you started to be like, you know, how long was it before you started to think like, this may not be the the perfect way for me to balance my life and work forever? Right. So, um, yeah, we hit. Um, so after the acquisition, once we started growing and adding more members to the engineering team, right, um, and that team growing, um, that's when I started to feel that that pull. And it was difficult um, there for me to uh, both continue being an individual contributor, you know, managing the teams, leading, et cetera. Um, so, you know, I was being pulled there in a lot of directions and put in a lot of time. I, I hit a point where I did, uh, you know, suffer from, from burnout and had to take uh, a pause there and just, and just step away for a little while, right? Uh, recalibrate, take a look at things. Um, and it's, you know, coming back from that, that I, you know, stepped more away from the individual contributor role um, and then, you know, took on more of that role of, uh, of leadership there within the uh, management within the organization. So, but it took that, uh, that event there for me to, to realize, to realize it. Uh, but if you ask my wife, she said she was uh, coming, uh, <laughs> <a long time laughs> <before that. laughs> I think it's so hard when you're in the middle of these things, all you see is what you need to ship. And quite frankly, you're too busy to notice the fact that you might be burning out because you've got too much stuff to do. Like exactly. I'll, I'll, I'll schedule burnout for like 2027. I, I can afford it then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Once once all this stuff is done, right? Yeah, exactly. Now, it, I, I'd love to dig into the logistics of this because I've seen you know 
people on on both sides of that kind of chasm or experience. And it's tough because when you're running into it, the uh, some part of the challenge is you're like, no, no, but we, we need to ship this code. And I, I know this code path better. Look, it's not going to take me long to like ship the pull request. But yeah, I do have to be in the leadership meetings. And of course, I'm going to like talk about the interview loops and meet the new engineers and, and help to onboard them. So clearly at, at some point in time, like you stopped doing that. What happened? Like, did the engineering org fall apart? Like, how did you actually tactically get through the transition when you realized that that was becoming unsustainable? Right. So it's coming back from uh, right now what I, I you know, realized, hey, you know, I need to approach this differently than I've been than I've been doing. Right. Um, so a uh, few things I started uh, changing there was one I sought after uh, leadership uh, training, coaching. Right. Realizing that, hey, you know, I could use a mentor here or someone to learn from really set me up with the right tools for uh, for success. Um, so, you know, engaged in that, uh, again, started stepping back, um, uh, working to more around communication, right. And, you know, setting the right context, um, for others to be able to, to do the, do the work. Um, and it was, it was difficult though, right. Uh, you know, knowing that, Hey, you have it, you know, um, little things that, you know, you can get done quickly, right. And just, just do it cause you know it so well. Um, and, but, you know, if you, of course, um, you know, let the team know it. it may take a bit bit longer, but better ultimately better for the the long term, right? So just just knowing those things, um, I think, and that eventually you know uh, you know kind of changed the changed the pace a bit. Um, you know, there, I'd say that it was the biggest challenge for me there, though, was is like the um, um, how do I put this? Um, you know, immediately when you code something, right? You do it. You see the working software right there, right? Immediately. So the feedback loop is is tight, right? And you get that, you know, the sense of accomplishment there immediately when it's when it's done or you see the product working. However, in leadership, right, if you do things well, it can take, you know, sometimes weeks, months, years before you really see, you know, the results of the work you put into it, right? So that was the big adjustment there for me was to, you know, be able to, you know, kind of you know, not immediately get that sense of accomplishment there multiple times a day, but be able to step back and see it through others there instead. So that was the big, you know, big transition that I had to go through personally. Well, I think it's hard too, because not only does it, it's like, if you do everything right, I feel like as an engineer and leader, the good news in three to six months, you start to see the fruits of it and people are being more productive and more self-organizing and more, they, mm -hmm. they feel like they're more in control and able to make bigger choices. And at the same point, you're still going to lose them in 24 to 48 months anyway. So it's like, you're, you're just trying to minimize the ramp time and maximize the kind of glide time before you have to kind of do it all over with the, the next group of people, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And then I, I feel like also it's, I mean, something I thought a lot about, like in, I've got a very small business these days, but it's the difference between, it's the balance between building value for external customers and building productive capacity within the org. And I think you have to like find a place on that needle where there's enough value being delivered. So you stay in business and meet your goals and, and people are happy. But at the same time that you're also investing in, yeah, this is going to take them four days and I could do it in a morning. But by doing so, it's going to provide them a much deeper understanding of the code base and, and a, a greater sense to kind of step up and make bigger architectural decisions over time. Right. Exactly. And then, you know, another point there, too, is, that, you know, that that, you know, little bit of code you change or now that breaks. 
right? Uh, and the customer, and then you're the only one that knows it. So who's going to fix it, right? So <laughs> you know, so that there's there's that making sure that others have that knowledge, right? Not just in building it, but also being able to sustain it and support it, right? And that only comes through you know uh, doing it there as well. Yeah. Now you talked about finding a leadership coach. So I guess my first question is: Was it explicitly a technical leadership coach, somebody who had been perhaps an engineering manager or an IC at some point, or was it more broadly just a, a a business leadership coach? Uh, it was more broadly a business leadership coach. So um, I have some friends uh, here in Ottawa that opened a, a bakery, right? And they, uh, you know, very different uh, business, of course, than what we do. Um, you know, but uh, you know, they spoke highly of these, uh, the, this company, this group that they worked on for leadership coaching. Um, and I have another uh, friend of mine who's a general contractor, right? He spoke uh, highly of them as well. So I said, hey, you know, let's reach out and. Um, uh, let's reach out and, and find out more. So in that initial uh, meeting, I said, hey, do you know anything about, you know, technology or, um, you know, um, yeah, like software based businesses? And he said, nope, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> what was there? Was their opinion? And I was like, OK, all right, let's let's see how this goes. And uh, it's true at the end of the day. Right. The, the concepts, um, a lot of them are the same. You know, it, it, it's people. Right. It doesn't um, and, and leadership. Um, of course, there's some specifics to the tech world, right? But I think a lot of the elements that are leadership are, are, the, are the same in, uh, in New York. Yeah. What was the, uh, firstly, just uh, again, I'm getting super tactical, the, the, the structure of the engagement. Was this somebody that you would meet for an hour once a week? Uh, is this somebody that you do like a half day with once a month? What, what was the, the structure of the engagement and, and the duration? Right. So it's, uh, um, I still do it to this day and it's, uh, been, uh, bi-weekly session. So every two weeks, twice a month, uh, one hour. Right. And then, you know, um, kind of come into the session. Um, you know, sometimes there's some bit of pre-work ahead and, you know, reading and, you know, talking points. Otherwise it's just, you know, talking about, you know, what happened since last time and then, you know, digging in, uh, digging in deeper there. Um, you know, one thing that was um, that, that I learned through that, I, I talked about, um, you know, leading with, you know, context earlier, right, and setting the context up for the team. Um, and then, you know, here again, in the leadership coaching, I found it's, it's all about context, right? All about, you know, what's what's happening and where, you know, and then the actual uh, outcomes of the sessions could be these little, little tidbits, hey, you know, try this or, you know, approach this that way, right? Um, but those little changes over time stack up and then add, you know, immense, immense value. That's amazing. And then what was the balance? So I've seen people approach this in many different ways. At the one extreme, there is like, you're going to take a six month course and we're going to, you know, week one, we're going to cover one on ones and week three, we're going to cover you know, leading with empathy. And, and there's a specific curriculum, which has the benefit that there is, there's very structured resources, but it has the challenge that it doesn't necessarily relate to the, you're like, that's great, but I'm doing my quarterly planning. Can we talk about that? Um, and then the other extreme is is just purely like okay what's your biggest business challenge what's on your mind what would have been what what was the 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 structure of the program and what were some of the the questions that the coach asked that ended up being the the most valuable for you right so i think uh so going to the 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 structure very much unstructured so no no formal program that said you know i know that they they have uh, that's not what i was looking for right and they knew that that they have structure and could bring that but um, I kind of got that sense. So, you know, uh, first it all started about you know, learning to know yourself better, 
right? So um, did assess did you know number of assessments and questions and you know learning what your personal tendencies are, dislikes, to like like what drives you, uh, different types of personality types. And this was using a framework called a DISC D I S C. And then through that, um, you know, really got to um, I guess start by knowing yourself before you work to, to lead others, right? And then uh, there are some things that were, you know, immediately apparent. And as you know, it's a general framework, of course, right? Um, everyone's different, but there's a lot of things from that that, you know, kind of rang, rang true. And that gave me a particular path, things to be aware of or to work on, right? Um, they're, they're going forward. So, you know, I think structure-wise, it's very much, you know, un, unstructured. But the first bit was, uh, you know, knowing yourself before, you know, leading others and, and your tendencies there. Um, as for specific questions, you know, or, or, or insights, nothing. <laughs> there are a bunch, I'm sure, but none of them come to mind in this moment, unfortunately. <laughs> As you look back, obviously, there are some clear things. You're probably not writing code or at least not on the critical path on a regular yep. basis anymore. Uh, how? What are some of the other ways you have changed the way that you engage with the team and the role based on the coaching? Right. Um yeah, I think there it, um, the, my first approach, right, was realizing just that getting out of the critical path, right, and, you know, not being there and part of the day-to-day. And I think that's where I found myself working to um, bring more context to the team and, you know, here's what's happening, here's why we're doing it, here's why this is important, um, you know, rather than here's what we need to do, right? Um, so I think just, you know, kind of changing that, um you know, that was a general approach that would, uh, that would change there. And of course, you know, while all this is happening, um, you know, the org is growing, you know, significantly as well. Right. So, uh, we went from, uh, you know, a team of about you know 10 engineers to now, uh, closer to closer to 50. Right. So, um, there's a lot of, uh, you know, changes there in the, in the mix and bringing other leaders and managers in to, to help with the team there as well that are all happening there during that, during this time. Now, as you were scaling the team and you were looking for directors, senior directors, you know, pe- people to report directly to you to take over kind of functional areas within R&D, uh, were there insights you got from the coaching that helped you to do a better job of selecting the, the kind of people or the kind of attributes that you were looking for for your direct leadership team? Uh, uh- yeah, there were um, particular some particular things that we did go over. There's this notion of the uh, the ideal team player, right? Um, and the, this this model um, that uh, that's used, and I forget the uh, the author right now. But um, so what I tend to do is focus a bit more on like probably more on behavioral questions uh, than I would have uh, previously. Right, I would have thought more just technical, right? So. Um, that did, you know, change my approach that way, but it wasn't anything too explicit, um, done there within the leadership coaching track. Um, there, what I do remember though, was, you know, making a point to be a lot more deliberate and explicit about the onboarding process, right. Um, whenever bringing people in. So I think that was a good, good takeaway not just, you know, pull someone in and, you know, just, just kind of see how it goes, but be, again, be deliberate and have a plan on how to approach it and how to get them engaged and, um, and, and, and pull things in. Yeah. And was that was is kind of like a standard like 30, 60, 90 day plan with like extra mentorship, support, connections within the org? What what were some of the things you'd do to in, to make it more likely that onboarding would be successful? Right. I think it, it you know it, it varies on the varies on the role, of course. Um, you know, there um, um we did have 
Um, so the way maybe we'll go to a bit how the, the org is structured, if that makes sense to, yeah. you know, to, to go there now. So um, in my current role, we have um, you know, three you know, senior leaders that according uh, to me, one that oversees uh, the product management group, um, another one that oversees you know, innovation and, and architecture in the group of architects. And then um, one that oversees our VP of engineering that oversees you know, engineering managers and the bulk of the, the engineers there as well. Right. So um there, uh, my onboarding was mostly for those senior leaders, more so than the um, more so the engineering managers or the engineers themselves, right? So them is you know more like you know getting them uh, engaged in the right uh, projects, you know, knowing who people are, right, and then yeah, letting them um, you know work to start building those respective functions there as well. Right? Now, having had that kind of episode with burnout yourself, I mean, firstly, how long do you think it took for you to like get back to a point from like the point where you're like, this isn't working to the point where you're like, you know, my life is pretty good. I mean, there's, there's still challenges, there's still fires, there's still issues, but what, what was, what was the cycle time from like, you know, the, the low to the getting back to steady state? Right. So I think, you know, the, the, the low probably, you know, happened maybe it's say like a few you know weeks or so before the actual, you know, that, that, that day where I like, Hey, this, this is it. <laughs> um, you know, and, and then I did step back and take, you know, uh, three to four, I think four weeks or so off and, you know, just, just disconnect. Uh, uh, my garage had never been so clean before. <laughs> um, right. But that was really good to take that time. And then I, I came back, it, you know, it took some adjustment getting back into things and it, it probably several months um, mm-hmm. before, um, you know, I think I, I felt, um, you know, on the, on the upward swing there. Right. Uh, again, you know, I was realizing, Hey, I need to pull out of the, the critical path. Right. And stop being, you know, trying to play all, all these roles and, you know, work to elevate others there instead. Um, and, you know, and like I mentioned earlier, changing that, that, that feeling of accomplishment there every day that you get, uh, was, you know, different. And so I had to find that from other ways. And yeah, it was a, was very much a transition. Yeah. That's great. And then are there things you, having gone through that experience yourself, are there things, firstly, are there any things that you try to do to minimize the likelihood that people on your team run into that kind of burnout? So I guess I'm more, um, a bit more aware of it now, right? And some of the signs, I think, you know, look to, uh, maybe manage the the workloads right a bit better, and you know if I see you know see a lot of emails off hours or <laughs> you know outside of things, you know make a point just to ask and you know see that uh, everything's okay there. So I think it's um, nothing, I guess, too explicitly deliberate, but be more awareness of it. Uh, I think has helped me, you know, maybe sense and you know capture some some signals there that I'd you know uh, be more inquisitive about uh, had I not gone through that there there myself. Um, and then to dig into to the signals, because I think that was the other question I wanted to ask was, are there things you're now just keeping an eye out for? So obviously, somebody's like sending a whole bunch of emails at two o'clock in the morning or Saturday afternoon or something, you, you're, you're checking in there. Mm-hmm. Are there any, do you do uh, one-on-ones with your direct reports? And are there any things within those that you you look for to be like early warning signs that like, okay, we we, 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 we should probably have a chat? Uh, so yeah, of course I, I do. Uh, I do do one on ones uh, with you know my direct re- uh, reports on a you know, regular basis, weekly, biweekly in some cases, and uh, also some skip level meetings there as well. You know, regular to uh, get a sense and, and, and stay connected to. Um, 
as for, I, I can't think of any like particular, you know, it's, I guess more intuitive than, than I can point to, uh, any specific, you know, specific signals or, or, or signs there. Um, and then one thing maybe I would just like wrap with, cause unfortunately we're close to out of time. If you, if there was something you could go back to tell yourself, you know, maybe just like two, three months before you can like hit that low point or, or advice that you'd share with somebody else who's feeling like, yeah, that that's fine, but I got to ship these features. You know, we, we've got to get this done. I've got to get the hiring done. Any advice you'd give to somebody else who you think is perhaps heading into that, that same experience? Yeah, there I'd say, uh, first of all, you're, you know, you're, you're not alone and you may feel like all this, you know, uh, is all on your shoulders, but really have the team there with you as well. Right. So, uh, make sure to, you know, pull them in along with you and elevate them as part of the process. Right. Uh, and again, not feel like to, at the end of the day, the business, you know, team efforts, right. We all want the same thing, right. We're all working towards a, a common goal. Right. So, you know, work to bring and pull others along with you, right. For the, for, for the journey. Right. That's the, um, so. Jesse, um, fortunately we're out of time, but thank you so much for taking the time to, to share your, your experiences. Awesome. Yeah, it was great. Uh, great, uh, great conversation here, Peter.